NEI Hoops Report, the number one rated NEI basketball coverage in the world, is proud to present the Road to Muni podcast with Junior and Pat. Hello, NEI Hoops Nation, and welcome to the Road to Muni podcast. This is season three, episode six, uh, officially episode six. I know that uh, if you laugh along with Pat and I, it's a uh, we do have a couple of the the road to Muni lost uh, files out there. <laughs> Alex referred to as the uh, the best episodes we've ever uh, talked to, and I'm sure they are. So, uh, but uh, yeah, officially the, the episode six of, of this current year. Uh, and Pat, uh, we are coming off a heck of a week. It's uh, you know we're, we're going to get dive into uh, uh, some of the not some of uh, it was it felt like a majority of the top twenty five went down. This yeah. Week. Uh, but uh, Pat, you do you doing all right? Yeah, yeah. On a personal note, men's league team just got bounced in the semifinals of the playoffs. So we're we're working past that, and now we're we're on to you know there were a lot of upsets this year this week, and, and our men's league team wasn't immune to that. So yeah, obviously a crazy crazy week, um, a weekend especially Saturday was was nuts with all those top twenty five teams going down. Well, Pat, uh, I'm glad that we we get the full attention of, of you uh, for the rest of the. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, Indiana basketball, we talk about it a lot. Uh, uh, Pat hasn't given up his, his dream yet. Um, I'm sure that the NBA scouts have been at those men leagues game uh, quite often um, to see you barely cross half court and shooting a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about transfers later in this episode, but any of those coaches listening right now, I, I think I probably still have a COVID year uh, yeah. somewhere in my back pocket. So I'm, I'm not sure that that's how that works. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send the film over. Yeah, yep. you sent it out. Let me let me know how that goes for you, Pat. But uh, yeah, you know, just diving in. Uh, uh, you know, we we were talking a little bit uh, prior to the the episode, and uh, uh, you just kind of saw Saturday coming. And, and and it's not uncommon for finals week to be a little crazy. You know, uh, it's really hard for for any kid. You know, when you're you're really stressed out trying to study for finals, you're trying to get your grades right. Some kids are are trying to get you know. Maybe they need an A to get their, you know, to, to get their uh, uh, GPA up, or maybe they just need to pass a class to to get enough hours uh, uh, to be eligible. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of things go into this finals week. You know, I've, I've heard a couple, two or three coaches in, in post game interviews this week uh, just talk about uh, after finals week, you know, just trying to figure out where they're gonna feed their kids at. You know, so uh, just just a weird time of year as we as we transition uh, from from the um, which. A majority of teams, I'm guessing most teams uh, had finals last week. I know we've talked about some teams had had it prior to that. Um, there may be still a couple uh, teams going into next week uh, here, even. Uh, but for the most part, we're we're done with finals, and uh, uh, you know we're seeing the teams now uh, transition into uh, playing, and, and that affected a lot of teams that that you know, especially in these road conference games. And, and there was a couple home teams that lost too, but uh, just a crazy. It, it made for a crazy week. Um, as teams kind of had that lull to them uh, and, and affected them, and he showed up on the court. Yeah, and I, I think naturally, kind of like you were getting at, it's you you breathe this sigh of relief right after finals are done, right? And, and you kind of feel like, okay, the semester's done and the semester's over with. We can relax now. Well, the bad news is for a lot of teams, you can't relax on the court, right? You have to com- keep that competitive edge. And, and it is difficult. You're finishing up finals. You're thinking about Christmas. There's just a lot of moving parts at this point. It's almost a little disappointing. All of your 
your peers have gone home for the Christmas holiday and you're stuck on campus, it's easy to feel sorry for yourself. It's easy to get a little bit doubted. That, truthfully, that is just human nature, right? These are kids we're talking about. These are kids who, who just have experienced a lot. And especially you think of the younger guys who have just been through maybe their first or, you know, second year of college, whatever it might be. It's just a, a hard time. But now I think, you know, you get as as bad as it is to say you get this loss under your belt, you get this loss out of the way, and now you can kind of refocus this week and move on to the next one. Yeah, and, and at this level of play, too, I, I mean, we said that a lot of road teams went down, but even even quite a few home teams. And, and I think it's just because, you know, those kids uh, that were in finals, schools were in finals week, and, and you saw a lot of small crowds uh, uh, coming out of the break. You know, there's not, uh, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of NEI programs do have community support too, but um, when you take kids out of, you know, student students, and a lot of them are student athletes, but you take students uh, away from campus and, and it really affects the crowds at some of these home environments. Uh, but I think about every game we turn on uh, uh, this past week and it just seemed like there was a uh, small crowd for small crowd for small crowd outside of, of one of our favorite traditions, uh, <laughs> Silent Night, where they just packed the gym. But uh, um, yeah, it just seemed like it was one of those weeks where, um, you know, it just uh, it was kind of set up, you know, for that. You kind of wonder wonder how the finals week hangover is going to la- are going to affect teams. Um, and unfortunately, on Saturday, we saw seven top twenty five teams go down. Yeah, and that is a, a well deserved shout out for Taylor. That, that silent night is always uh, one of the coolest traditions in all of sports, really. But yeah, and I think when you think about teams like Thomas More and like Grace, obviously one and two go down. When you're Thomas More and you play such a slow style you play such a low possession game, you're going to be in close games just naturally. It may be the team's having an off shooting night, but when the games are low scoring, there's just not a lot of points to come by. And so you've got to find ways to win those really close games. And they've done it earlier in this season, but it's only going to get tougher from here on out as the scouting changes, as we you know see rosters change. And so they've got to really, really hone in. You know, they hang their hat on their defense. They've got to find ways to kind of, spur themselves offensively earlier in the game well and, and we've seen over the the we've seen for a while now but especially as uh you know shawnee state won a national title two years ago but uh, uh waller gymnasium uh you know the, that's where shawnee supposed to yeah. play home games at it's uh it's one of the toughest environments in the whole entire country i mean there's uh i mean that, that game you said it was kind of a slow style but i mean it was basically put your boxing gloves on and and I thought the Taylor Grace game was the same way. You know, both those games were just kind of a knockdown, drag out, uh, physical um, style, and it, it was uh, it made for. I mean, it just depends on what kind of game you like. I mean, if you if you like a if you like a traditional, you know, hardcore uh, or hard nosed uh, game, I mean, a lot of people like it. You know, purists, basketball purists probably liked a lot of those games uh, or those two games. But uh, um, you know, as the, as the game changed a little bit, evolving to a little bit up tempo. Um, you know, if you if your eyes are, are more apt to that, you probably didn't enjoy those two games. But yeah. for me, it was a well, lot of fun to watch both. I thought that uh, um, both teams are, are are very physical. And you brought up two points, um, and that we'll, we'll elaborate a little bit more on later. One was uh, uh, about the roster change, and we can get to that. But uh, um, you know, number one and number two going down uh, is something you brought up, and and that was a it's the third straight year it's actually happened, and it, it's kind of crazy to think about because uh, I believe. It was three years ago, and I can't remember. I, I believe it was maybe Indiana Wesleyan and William Penn were number one, number two, the first year uh, that it went, that it happened. And uh, 
uh, it was insane because I had some, I, we have a, a grouping of SIDs that help out the site um, or, or at least help provide information to the site that we report out. And I can remember talking uh, uh, to a couple of the guys that we that were in and girls that we're really close with um, and, and give us, they're so great at giving us a lot of information out. And they were actually taking it back to their SID circles, trying to figure out when the last time it happened. Well, that was the first year, you know, obviously NEI was one division. Uh, and so when it was, you know, there was two divisions before, you would think it would have happened more regularly because there's two number ones, two number twos right. were in two divisions, but uh, uh, nobody could find it. Uh, I know that people had gone back like 10 years to 15 years and, and nobody could find uh, on the, when they had lost on the same date. So uh, kind of crazy that uh, on the same day, uh, number one, number two went down uh, for the third straight year. So, um, you know, as we well, and to me, Taylor deserves a lot of credit for that win against grace it would be really easy for them to have silent night on friday night and just kind of you know relax on saturday right but for them to get back up for a number you know to take on the number two team in the nation that is really impressive and i know shawnee state is a really tough place to play but for taylor to to regroup after kind of an emotional night like that is really really impressive yeah and just a, a quick shout out again i mean jason hubbard i mean he's a uh... Uh, just a, uh, I mean, obviously an All-American uh, a couple years ago. I can't remember if he was last year, but uh, uh, All-American on his resume, and and uh, he put up a, a big time performance against Grace. And you got to have your best players, you know, step up in those type of games. And um, just one of the better two-way players in the country, and he showed it, showed up, uh, and showed out for Taylor uh, in that game. Um, you know, all the way across the board. You know, it wasn't just them. You know, Marion at number five uh, also lost, and then. Um, you had Evangel at 13 who, uh, uh, you know, looking at their two losses in the year, um, you know, not, Sterling's a much improved team than, than they were in uh, last year, but uh, uh, Sterling and Mount Mercy, two two teams that you, you know, you, you would think that Evangel would be pretty heavily favored on and lost to uh, both of those. And then, uh, and then our game of the week, you know, uh, uh, Indiana Tech, uh, who's been playing some good basketball this year, um, they, uh, they, uh, went to Rochester and we've seen a Rochester team, uh, you know, took D one Oakland to, to a, a last second shot. So um, another pretty good program there. And, and uh, Rochester uh, actually uh, uh, that game was for first place in the whack and it's still early, you know, uh, obviously before the holiday break here, but uh, um, you know, as teams are, are battling for position, um, it's good to have those type of wins underneath their belt. So um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, Tech had, had picked up a nice one against all of that earlier in the week too. Yeah. And that was a, all of it, or you know, all of it's a, a very tough uh, program and receiving votes, and uh, any attack handled them pretty, pretty handled them pretty, pretty uh, yeah. handled road. So, uh, and and we're seeing a lot of these teams, uh, or several teams, I should say, that uh, across the country that you know are are all of a sudden in the middle of of a three, four, five, six game road uh, span, and and Indiana Tech's one of them. You know, that was their third game, I believe, of of seven uh, straight road games, and some of that goes. They'll have a couple weeks in between games here as they. They hit the the holiday break, but uh, uh, some of these some of these teams are hitting the road, and uh, it's going to start paying tolls on them as well. Yeah, and it is interesting. Like, yeah, it's noted that I am a big Holy Cross supporter, and I do a lot of their games on the broadcast. But they have a similar thing where they go on the road for a long stretch, and then they play a bunch of home games right in a row too, uh, kind of like the end of January. It's just that scheduling is. I don't, I, I don't really know how to feel about it, but it, it's just it's worth noting that those long stretches can drain you, right? If you're going whatever it is Wednesday, Saturday, however the league is set up to 
on the road week after week. That gets boring. That gets tiring. And you got to be ready to get off that bus and compete every time. Yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, something we'll definitely uh, look at as we come out of the break. And, uh, you know, something we talk about quite a bit. And, and just moving on to that last point that you brought up earlier, um, we're already starting to see uh, a little bit. Uh, um, I, I need to refresh myself on the rules. I, you know, I, I'm not uh, sure. I think, I think it's, you know, somebody will probably correct me. I'm sure on this, but I think it's a, uh, as soon as finals week are over, um, and grades are posted, I think kids can start being eligible. Um, and, and we'll see some transfers coming in too. And, and I, and I'm, I'm sorry for, for those, I should probably be more educated on, on how kids are eligible right away at the NEI level when they transfer in. Um, but I believe if they passed, um, you know, as long as they're not playing another school, if they did, they use, lose a year of eligibility, I think. But if they are not playing another school and they uh, pass the, the amount of hours and, and the credits that they need and GPA that they need, uh, they can come in and we're going to start seeing some some very impactful players uh, showing up on rosters over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and it's already started. I mean, I, I see Marco Sullivan at, uh, um, at Union uh, has showed up in the last two games here. And uh, he's a kid that, uh, you know, had a, had a pretty big time performance uh, in the in the, in the Kentucky Indiana All Star game and uh, a few years back, and I believe he spent a couple years at JUCO, and uh, you know, you're, he's one kid that's showing up, and I, I know there's a couple others too, and I've taught to some coaches along the lines that uh, they got one of their best players from uh, Talladega, uh, Paul Turner, who's uh, who's going to return, and, and he was a, a big impact player on their. Uh, deep run to the in or NEI uh, semifinal last year. So, uh, you know, you're going to start seeing teams post up. And I, I know there's others, like I said, uh, I've, I've talked, I've been talking to a lot of coaches and, uh, you know, players are, are starting to pop up all over the place. Uh, uh, you know, maybe not in the box scores. Uh, they're, they're on campus and, and they're going to, they're going to show up and they're, they're eligible now. And uh, so it's going to be interesting the next couple of weeks, just watching some of these teams uh, and, and seeing who pops up rosters and seeing if, you know, maybe some of these fringe top 25 teams become, you know, uh, prevalent top 15, top 10 teams. And then we're going to see, you know, even some of these teams in the, in the top 10, like Langston, I know Georgetown has, has a kid out too, that uh, is an impact player. And, um, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna really change the landscape of, of the NEI as, as we know it right now. It's almost like the tale of two semesters in the NEI where you might see some, some program altering players come in or, or become eligible and the dynamic of a team can shift drastically and sometimes that's good sometimes that's bad we've seen some players have some real success in the past step right in and fit right in and just be absolutely dynamic so it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on it always is um but like you said i i think the the most impacted teams are those teams that are like the fringe top 25 teams or if they're maybe one piece away from really really competing for a league championship or or uh, national championship or a team that maybe brings in, you know, a transfer and is right there on the, on the verge of making a national tournament and kind of, you know, say that they, maybe they make their, their national tournament for the first time in program history because they bring in a, an impact transfer. So it's always really interesting. Unfortunately, sometimes we see the, the inverse of all this where guys go ineligible. So the roster turnover at this point in the season is really, really something that I think is pretty unique to the NAI and always interesting to see. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I mean, unfortunately, there's an inverse point. And, and you know, not all these, uh, I think it's well to, I think it's good to bring up, too. I mean, not all these transfers come in and, and mesh well either. You know, it's right. It, it may see some guys come up and you may see some team, it may affect teams in the wrong way, too. And uh, uh, so it's just kind of an interesting time of year. And it's something we like to talk about because it is something that, you know, I feel like is needed 
uh, to talk about just that you know some people are unaware um and when we have uh, uh nearly 200 uh, uh active listeners which is awesome to have um especially uh um you know when we had to take a week or two off there uh, i appreciate everybody staying with us but uh, when you have 200 active listeners you know it's one of those things that um you know not everybody that's listening is going to know you know what's going on when when a new player shows up and and, and so it's kind of something that is unique to the NEI, and, and I think it's well uh, adverse to talk about. But uh, um, well, and I think sorry. No, um, go ahead. The uh, the other part of all this is it's not just transfers; it's guys that maybe aren't eligible in the first semester that have been practicing for an entire semester that now become eligible. Those are the real threat, right? That have just been practicing, playing with their teammates, doing all that, and just being around the program that come in and make truly an immediate impact. That's an easy transition there. For a lot of programs well and one one uh, other aspect i'll talk about before uh, uh our coaches interview uh segment here uh um you, you know the other the other big part we're seeing right now especially over the last couple of weeks are these freshmen that are starting to get really really comfortable and uh the, the speed of the game is starting to slow down for them uh you know i think about you know uh, at freed hardeman you know uh riley mclaren who was a uh, actually a uh um you know he was a uh the class a tennessee uh Player of the year, or McDonald's, or sorry, he was a uh, uh, Mr. Basketball uh, Class A uh, in Tennessee, you know, and um, you know I see him and uh, some of the guys, we've, some of the other freshmen we've talked about all over the all over the country uh, uh, who've had had good years, but you know, are uh, you know we're also seeing a lot of freshmen uh, over the last couple of weeks who are, are really stepping up their games as well, and um, I just think that they'll have big impacts as we move into the next semester as well because that game is starting to slow down uh, for them as well. And folks, has a great, great setup for our stock risers report. Stay tuned for later in the episode. Well, I'm glad we could tune you up. Um, <laughs> you know, before before we get to that, though, uh, we're going to bring Coach O'Brien on uh, here soon. But uh, um, a lot of a lot of fun. T- our team is really fun to watch. I mean, All American uh, Kevin Clark. Um, you know, basically he steps in the gym and he's in range. And uh, uh, you know, he probably you know. I would say the most elite shooter in the country just because of his range. Uh, you may not be percentage wise or, or whatnot, but uh, uh, man, when, when you have to actually guard a kid when he crosses half court, I mean, that just, when you actually have to pick him up when he crosses half court, just so he doesn't shoot the ball, um, that says a lot. And I just like that team a lot. And um, I know that, uh, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit uh, with coach, but you know, dang bull has been a big asset to them as well. Uh, um, and then one of my favorite players in the entire country, and just Andrew O'Brien, who I believe is a nephew uh, of, of Coach O'Brien. I'll have to ask him on that for that clarification. I believe I was told that before. But, uh, um, you know, I think Andrew's the – and I, I got his permission to call this. He, he said that uh, it's hard to hard to uh, uh, disagree with somebody that's won a national or an NBA championship. But uh, he's a dreaming, Draymond Green of, of NEI. And I don't mean by the bad boy of, of Draymond. I just mean the stat stuffer, um, you know. He he can he can score the ball and, and when he scores the ball it's even better for him you know he flirts with a triple double every night you know having an impact on the game without scoring the ball is is very very hard to do for some kids uh, but Andrew's kind of kind of bought into that role and uh, it's really fun to watch him because he'll he'll end up with a you know four point uh, 12, 12 rebound uh, nine assist game you know and, and then probably three or four steals too in there and you know, a, a team, uh, Southwestern, who's going to, you know, currently top 10 in the country and, and probably going to move up into uh, that six, seven, eight range, probably in this rankings, uh, just with all the all the losses. But, uh, um, you know, when, you know, Pat, when we're talking about the can make a deep run, I think you got to conclude Southwestern in that. Yeah, and they have a lot of guys that have already played a lot of college basketball, right? 
a lot of transfers that have come in and just like we talked earlier, really kind of meshed well together. And when you have a guy like Andrew O'Brien that is just almost selfless in that in that nature and just is willing to, to put things aside and, and do, you know, what's best for the team, that's a winning recipe. That They have great balance up and down the roster. And, yeah, they've got pieces in place. They've got size in place. They certainly are a team that you want to watch as we, as you, like you said, we follow this road to Munich. And I think uh, without further ado, we'll just go ahead and move into our uh, coaching series and talk with Coach O'Brien from number 10th ranked Southwestern College. We are here with Southwestern College uh, out of Kansas, uh, head coach Matt O'Brien. And uh, uh, coach, uh, you know, you guys are sitting currently at, at number 10 of the country. Uh, we, we have rankings, uh, new set of rankings coming out uh, here soon. Um, I, I know that uh, in our rankings, you, you moved up to uh, the seventh team in the country. Uh, just talking a little bit about your season so far. I know, uh, um, you know, you guys are sitting uh, right now uh, at 11-1 on the season. Can you just kind of talk about uh, your season to this point? Yeah, we're really thankful to get off to a good start at 11-1 and and then uh, six and one in conference where we played some really tough teams in our conference. And, you know, with our only loss being to a really tough Oklahoma Wesleyan team on the road, we feel really good about where we're at now, but knowing that uh, this is just the beginning and there's uh, a lot more season ahead of us. And, you know, we're excited about the opportunity for our team to continue to get back. Um, you know, coach, I know, uh, obviously Oklahoma Wesleyan, um, a big time uh, program and, and uh, made a deep run last year. Um, and, and, you know, playing them on the road is always tough as well. But uh, um, you guys did give uh, a Florida College their only loss of the season as well. Um, you know, as you're looking forward a little bit, uh, and, and I know you guys got a couple uh, games here on the road here to uh, to end the uh, the uh, first semester here. Uh, but what's going to be uh, what, what's going to take for your guys to compete for a KCAC title? Well, you know, you're going to have to be one of the best teams in the country to uh, win a KCAC title with a powerhouse like Oklahoma Wesleyan. You know, you're going to have to be definitely a top five, top 10 team in the country towards the end of the season. And, uh, you know, I think the ball's going to have to bounce your way a few times. We've been fortunate enough to win a conference championship, but you're going to have to have guys buy in for a long period of time. Uh, and then you're going to have to have some luck. Um, when you, Kansas Wesleyan University is also a very good team in our league. And, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have a, an experienced club who's excited about the challenge, uh, but we know it's going to be a difficult task. And um, we're looking forward to hoping just having that opportunity to be there at the end in the last couple of weeks to play for a championship. We've, you know, we've done that several times in the KCAC. We've been in the championship mix, you know, quite a few times. So, uh, I, I hope, really hope this group, which I like so much, uh, gets to compete for a championship. You talk about the experience of your team, and you look up and down your roster, and, and we talked earlier in the episode about transfers and the impact transfers can have not only you know at the start of the season but also at the semester. Talk a little bit about how you get teams to mesh, whether it is at the semester break, at the start of the season, just in general. Guys that have played college basketball before, been coached by different coaches at the collegiate level, coming over to your program? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think the biggest thing in, uh, I, th I think why we've been able to be successful for a long period of time is having guys buy into their role. 
And uh, we've been able to do that for several years. And, you know, we get good high character kids who buy into their roles. We've got Jarvis Jennings, who's a, you know, um, a junior college All-American who is kind of take a smaller role for us where, I mean, he's had some big games for us. Uh, but he's he's taken a defensive role and a playmaker role when he was a big time scorer in junior college. You know, we've had Andrew O'Brien, who's who we've used as a playmaker where in his junior college days, he you know, he was more of a forward and post player. And we've kind of made him into a playmaker. And we've had a lot of guys who've uh, been in our program, our seventh, eighth, ninth and tenth man who've been able to come in and give really quality minutes and focusing on the little things. So um, I feel really fortunate to have guys uh, who, who are willing to buy into different roles. And I think that that's the key for, uh, for our program, for our guys really coming together. But the character piece is really important. You know, we have guys that uh, really enjoy being around each other. And, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a big part of uh, our success is our guys really enjoy each other and, and they want to do well for each other and they're willing to sacrifice for each other. You know, you start talking about some of your players a little bit, and, and obviously, uh, uh, you, you guys are led by All American uh, Kevin Clark, and and uh, I halfway joke, but I, I'm also mostly serious when I say that, uh, uh, you know, when he walks in the gym, he's basically open and and uh, in range. So, um, you know, when you're talking about uh, guys like him, and uh, you know, obviously he he leads you guys in scoring, but then you got Dang Bull, um, obviously it, it counters him as well, and then. Uh, you mentioned even Andrew O'Brien a little bit, who, who, uh, you know, is a guy that I I, I refer to often as, as Draymond Green, and I did Andrew did DM me. I just want to let you know, so, uh, I enjoy Andrew quite a bit. Uh, uh, great kid, uh, I've enjoyed talking to him, and and he did give me permission to call him Draymond Green. Uh, the impact on of, on the game that he has without scoring the ball all the time, uh, and, and just the, all the way down your lineup. You know, I know you talked about Jarvis a little bit too, and. Um, he certainly had some big time uh, scoring games when you guys have needed him to. Uh, but uh, when you have two scores like like uh, Kevin Clark and uh, Dang Bull, and, and then you film around with with the type of role guys you have, um, it's it's a kind of a what we look for uh, when we're talking about uh, teams that can you know this is the road to Muni podcast, and when we're talking about teams that are on the road to Muni and. Uh, you know, when you get to the Nash tournament, also you, you mentioned you're going to have to have a little bit of luck and uh, stuff like that. But uh, when you have the the counters of, of Kevin Clark and, and Dang Bull and then the guys around him, um, you know, it's it's certainly got to be a, a, not just fun to coach, but uh, um, it's it's got to be nice to have players step up when when some of your uh, you know when your best players aren't always playing great either. Yeah, we're you know we're very fortunate uh, to have such great teammates. Kevin Clark, I mean, he's an unbelievable shooter. And just like you said, as soon as he steps on onto the court, when, when he steps into the gym, he's in range. Um, but you know, his shooting it is an is is a great skill for him. But his greatest skill, his greatest attribute, is his competitiveness. If you you know if you got a chance to watch this kid play live, he isn't the ultimate competitor and a winner. I mean, he wins at everything he does. Uh, you know, he was national, uh, junior college, went to the national junior college championship game at Cali County community college is, you know, was one of the best shooters in the country at that level. And certainly one of the best shooters in the country now. And he does so many things for us. And I think, you know, what, what I'm most proud of with, with Kevin's competitiveness is how much he's improved on defense this year, which has really helped us. He's really become a solid defender and has helped us in that area. And then, you know, you talked about dang bowl, I think one of the best, uh, 
defenders in the United States. I mean, he's, he's also a great competitor. And I mean, he, this guy can really move his feet and um, to have a guy with that amount of talent who can score, who's willing to focus on defense um, really helps your team and helps, helps the other guys really buy into their roles. And we talked about Andrew O'Brien and his versatility. You know, we've used him in a lot of different ways. He leads the break for us. We've, you know, he posts up for us and is an, an elite passer from the post. Uh, and, and he gives us a, an, another dynamic to our offense. Uh, Kevin Clark can shoot from anywhere. And Andrew O'Brien's just really creative at the post position at six foot seven and does some really, really, uh, tough things uh puts a lot of pressure on the defense and, and that really sets up a sets up our role guys really well who who understand what they need to do cooper pierce is a fifth year in our in our program and he's a really smart player and a good solid defender philip smith who has some division one experience is a tremendous athlete and he's he's done a really great job of buying into his role watch out for him i think he'll have some big games when we really need him second semester he's he as he kind of hones in on his role and the NAI level and, and, and what he can do, but he's a tremendous talent. And I think that uh, in February, and if we're going to make a, a run uh, in, in the national tournament, if we're fortunate enough to get there, Philip Smith will be a big part of that. Uh, we, and we've got two or three other guys, Trey White's been fourth year in, a, in our program is a big time. You know, he's one of these guys that plays six or eight minutes a game. And uh, as soon as he's in the game, he makes an impact. Uh, and Trey Abasol is another really solid guard for us that can shoot the basketball and is a good defender. Uh, we've got a lot of smart basketball players who play well together and pass the ball well. That's what's really fun if you get a chance to watch people nationally get a chance to watch us play is we'll pass the basketball. And uh, these guys are willing to give it up. And um, I think it's a fun way to play, a fun way to coach. And uh, I think our fans in Winfield, Kansas, appreciate the way we play. Uh, one, if, if people are listening and haven't uh, watched you guys play, uh, uh, definitely need to uh, tune into the to the builders play. It's uh, uh, like you said, one one through five on the floor. It, it is kind of fun just to watch uh, unselfish basketball. And, um, you know, when when you talk about from a from a coach's standpoint, when you when coaches tell players to pass up good shots for great shots, I think for the majority of, of games uh, and situations, their team certainly does that. It's, it makes it even tougher to guard. So um, a lot of fun to watch. And I know uh, uh, even uh, from, from you, it's probably got to be a lot easier to coach uh, when you have unselfish players. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I mean, it, it's fun, too, to watch the passing. I'm a fan of passing. And, um, you know, our guys, they work on it. They take pride in it. And they, they really want to lead their teammates into a good shot. And it makes us makes it a lot of fun. Well, Coach, I uh, I know it was a quick one for you, but uh, we do appreciate uh, coming on. And like I said, we have about 200 active listeners uh, on our podcast. And I uh, just strongly encourage teams as, as we take a tour around the uh, country uh, on each episode, talking to different coaches, different programs, and uh, different leagues. Uh, uh, if you haven't watched Southwestern yet, uh, uh, deservedly so, a top 10 team in the country, and uh, uh, look for them to make some noise the rest of the season. Yeah, we – I mean, honestly, we really appreciate what you do, and I appreciate what you do. It's fun to get some coverage for for all of our kids and all and all our programs. So, thank you for what you guys do. Well, now it's time for everybody's favorite uh, section. Uh, I we've got a lot of positive feedback from this one, but it is time for the stock risers report. <laughs>
the Stock Riser Report. Yeah, so we have talked a ton about all the old heads in the NAI this year. The you know the Mason Walters of the world, the Matt Simpsons of the world, the Riley Mannixes. I think it's time we start shining some light on the, on the younger guys, right? And these freshmen, and we talked a lot last year about guys like Drew Wyman and, and guys that might terrorize the NAI for four years or more. And, and one guy that certainly seems to be on path of that is Avery Jackson um, down in Oklahoma City. So he, he has started every game this year, is really scoring it at a high clip, has, has been a really just impressive kind of bright spot for that team down south. Great minds uh, think alike here, Pat. Um, I will go ahead and uh, go ahead with my first one. And I was actually going to go with team first. But uh, uh, since you were talking about the freshmen, uh, I think it's a good theme to start with. And uh, this is kind of a two-part one because I do uh, I do think that Freed Hardeman's playing good basketball right now, too. And uh, we'll see what they uh, if they end up jumping into the top 25 this week, uh, you know, when new rankings come out. But I think uh, a big part of – of their jump, you know, they lost two of the first three games uh, of the season uh, and now they've rifled off nine in a row. And I think the the big reasons for that, similar to what we talked about with Javon Buchanan, uh, Indiana Wesleyan uh, is Riley McLaren and, and Riley's uh, starting to, to, as a freshman, starting to uh, play some great basketball and, um, you know, kid that, that uh, uh, was Mr. Basketball in the state of, of Tennessee uh, last year. Um, so, uh, you know, not not shy of the moment and uh, not not to, uh, you know, obviously it's showing off how good he can be uh, uh, in high school level is now starting to find some some big time uh, or starting starting to find his stride uh, at the college level. And I think that his emergence over the last few games and, and just a big time production, especially against uh, number 20 Cumberlands and then turn around against UT Southern, who uh, uh, knocked off a division one program as well already this year. Um, you know, as you're looking at uh uh, why Freed Hardman's playing really, really well right now is the emergence of, of freshman Riley McLaren. Yeah, and we're getting to the point in the year now where these guys that came in as freshmen that have played tons of minutes now are, are almost not even freshmen at this point, especially when you get into the second semester. They are so uh, acclimated and just the, the grind is almost second nature. Uh, to them at this point. So those guys, you know, as we enter into the second half of the season, really are going to start taking huge, huge strides in their progression. But I will just contradict myself. And, and you know, I think some of these guys that, that led the charge and the takedown of some of these top 25 teams on Saturday deserve some shine. And, and one guy we've talked about on this podcast before at Huntington is Zach Goodline, who is just an absolute hooper, right? An old guy, a transfer and had 29, I think it was, against Marion uh, in the upset victory of them. So Huntington is a team that, you know, we've we've been saying for a couple of years now, keep an eye on, and is now really seems to be rounding into shape. And it, a lot of that has to do with the play of Zach Goodline, who is just kind of the steady guiding hand of that program. Yeah, got always, always a good – or always a big fan of, uh, of Zach Goodline and – uh, hard not to when when you wear number fifty five on the court. Um, not to like you uh, as as a guard. <laughs> so, uh, like like Zach a lot. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to move on to a team, and what I was going to originally put out. Um, you know, there's only three three undefeated teams left in the NEI right now. Uh, one of them's Langston, who we talk about a lot. Uh, another one's Tougaloo, who's kind of flying underneath the radar a little bit. Um, and, and Tougaloo has great tradition, and has actually made. Uh, 
um, some bigger runs in Kansas City uh, as, as a uh, a few years back, and and they've been down a little bit through COVID years. But uh, uh, another team I'm going to talk about, and another team that's kind of been down through COVID years and, and is really emerging, uh, is Antelope Valley. Uh, they sit at ten and zero right now, uh, coming out of the Cal Pack, the California Pacific League. Um, you know, another team that has great tradition uh, has made some serious runs uh, when they were at the NEID two level. Um, and, and just a team that, uh, you know, they maybe not have uh, outside of, of a Vanguard win and, and the Masters. As you look across the schedule, uh, maybe not the, the high impact top 25 win yet. Uh, but when you're 10 and 0 at this point of the season, uh, you, you got to start taking notice of a team. And, and Angelo Valley, um, you know, I, I've talked to coach a, a little bit uh, throughout the year. And, and uh, you know, he thinks this is one of the most talented teams that they've had in a while. And that says a lot because they've had some some really talented teams. And um, I, I know they're a little bit banged up right now, but uh, uh, they've they found ways to win. And if they continue to uh, continue to play the way they've been playing, uh, certainly a team that can maybe run through the Cal Pack. Yeah. And, uh, um, it, you know, just want to make that point that, you know, I know that the Cal Pack, uh, the last few years have been at, you know, 15 and 16 seeds. And uh, you may not want to put, put the Antelope Valley as a 15 or 16 seed if they get, or if they get in, because uh, uh, this is a team that can, can probably compete with it with most teams in the country right now. Yeah, that's a good call. We talk a lot about teams out West and, and sometimes that Cal Pack league gets forgotten about. And certainly uh, you are what your record says you are, right? And like you said, if you're 10 and 0 at this point, that that's something to hang your hat on. Obviously you don't hang it on it for a long time, but you should be proud of where you're at at this point in the season. And I'm going to stick with a team as well in a team that, you know, I'd say back in my day, back in my day was a powerhouse in the CCAC and it's kind of regaining that form is St. Xavier. They're six and one on the year. I got a chance to see them play in person, do their game against Holy Cross. They shoot it at almost 50% from three. They shoot high volume three pointers. They get up and down. They really don't have a ton of depth. They have guys that just go out and ball. And they shoot it, shoot it obviously at a high clip, and they're fun to watch. And a team that has good size, good length, really causes a lot of matchup problems on the offensive end. And I'm gonna go, jump from from one coast to the next coast on my on my uh, next one here. And uh, uh, you know, I think I think uh, Coach Crary, who, who we've obviously talked to uh, on this on the podcast a couple times here over the last couple of years, and um, you know, they're ten and one right now, and and. Uh, group that can maybe make a real beauty here uh you know st thomas is starting to get on the radar a little bit i know they, they're receiving votes and you know they're gonna play some non-conference games here uh, over the break as teams uh, like to go to florida and, and be warm <laughs> but uh um you know it's one of those games that i think that are one of those teams that uh you know maybe circle a little bit uh moving forward because uh, uh coach curry's got his boys playing pretty well right now yeah it that's an, such an interesting note about teams that want to go south over the Christmas break. That really is a, a pretty good advantage to be down there and able to attract kind of high-level teams to your your area. And I'm sure we'll talk later in the episode about a big game coming up in a warm-weather climate uh, this week. But also, I'm going to stick in the CCAC for my last stock riser and a guy, Tyler Schmidt, at Olivet Nazarene. And we've talked uh, in years past about the tremendous play of a lot of bigs at all of that schmidt is a guard he's about a six foot four though so kind of a, a big guard really does it all for them gets it done scoring um kind of like we talked about andrew o'brien not quite as tall as andrew o'brien but really can kind of fill up the stat sheet um just a good solid sound player um uh, that appears to be if not 
you know, first team all conference, conference player of the year. I know you've uh, mentioned them before. Uh, I'm going to bring them up again. You know, I they were one of the hardest teams to keep out of our top 25. Um, and we actually have them coming in at 26 right now in the country. Um, and, and as you're talking about a, a team, and that's Iowa Wesleyan, um, you know, they, they're a team here that uh, right now sitting at uh, – uh, sitting at ten to one on this season, uh, um, you know they they do have a loss to D one Western Illinois, who they were actually, uh, I believe, up or tied with at halftime, and then uh, competed with them the whole second half until before losing uh, by eleven to them. Uh, that's their, that was their last game, and um, you know they're going to go and play at St. Ambrose, and we've talked a little bit about the CAC a little bit, and they don't have a, a you know your typical you know they don't have a, a regular season uh, conference schedule, so they have to go out and play some teams. Um, just looking at their schedule coming up, I mean, they got a lot of games between now and uh, uh, February 3rd, you know, when they're going to play Florida College. Um, you know, as, as they're going to go through, they may be favorite in almost every one of these games. So you may be looking at a, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17, 1 team, you know, I, I, upsets happen. And, you know, it's not unfathomable to to uh, sometime this season have two teams from the, the independent league, uh, the CAC uh, being the top 25 and, and Florida college and them, uh, you know, if, if they can get to that point of the season on February 3rd, when they play each other, uh, where they're at right now, you're going to see two one loss teams uh, battle out that could potentially be, you know, top 15, top 20 ish in the end of the year, you know, and just uh, elaborating off of, uh, you know, teams that uh, have good schedules coming up, you know, uh, we have a really good schedule. Uh, it, it's, I want to. I don't want to say it's. Uh, you know, when when finals are over, uh, you know, teams start traveling a little bit more. You know, and and we do have a probably a good full week of uh, of good games coming up, and then we're going to turn around and and uh, you know most teams will take about a week or ten days off for uh, the holidays, and then uh, coming out of the holidays, you know, usually between uh, Christmas and and New Year's, uh, we're going to see another uh, big bout of, of really good games. But uh, uh, Pat heading into this week, I'm I'm actually really excited about this week. I mean, we're going to get going. Uh, right away on Monday, uh, and I'll I'll take the lead on this one. But uh, we're gonna take a lead, or on Monday, uh, we're gonna go ahead and you got a top twenty-five showdown uh, between Wayland Baptist at Langston. Um, you know we we talked about Coach Riss, or Coach Wright, um, and and uh, you know him and Coach Galen uh, at Wayland Baptist were on staff together before, and uh, so they they are uh, good friends, and uh, I'm sure fierce competitors as well. But uh, uh, two coaches are gonna know each other a lot, and uh, we'll see if Wayland Baptist. Uh, uh, you know, they should stay in the top 25 when the rankings come out this week. But uh, uh, on Monday, uh, the rankings won't be out yet. And these will be top two or two top 25 teams. And, and uh, what a way to get the week started off with. Yeah. And Coach Wright, obviously, we had him on last week. His ball club is playing some great ball right now. They they really are. are it's incredible. That story probably isn't being talked about enough where you know it's two really good storylines in a in a row for the NAI where last year we had Loyola who didn't play a home game you know until who knows when in the season and now we've got a Langston team who was kind of down in the dumps last year and now coach Wright comes in and just absolutely turns it around so it's been great to see obviously a big test against a, a Wayland team that's been pretty good all year long and then you move in the next day and you talk about travel Grace goes all the way down to Arizona Christian and they're already there. I love that. They're there. They're acclimated. That's great for the kids, right? It's just a fun way to get away um, kind of over the right after finals. Um, 
So there, I think that's that's setting up to be a nice showdown where Grace isn't getting off a plane and going to play a game right away. So going to be a high level basketball game down there in Arizona. Yeah, speaking of Arizona, uh, one one of my favorite. You know, we we've the ADI we've talked a little bit about it. So over Thanksgiving is the uh, you know we we get the battle uh, of the or battle at the beach. Uh, that was all awesome. You know, had a lot of great games in that one. And then we turned around and had. Uh, that was the start of Thanksgiving week, and then the end of Thanksgiving week, uh, we had uh, the sh- NEI of the show, um, and it had a lot of good matchups in there. Uh, the holiday break now uh, for for this this Christmas break here, uh, we get the Cactus Classic, uh, and that starts this week, and I'm I'm really excited about it. There's a lot of teams. Uh, it's basically a majority of teams from the Frontier Conference, um, and they're going to go down and play down to Arizona and play uh, a lot of the Arizona schools. Um, and so a lot of good matchups in, in that uh, this week. And, um, you know, not to skip ahead of, of anybody games, because I know there's some good games on Wednesday. But, uh, um, it, you know, it's just cool to see, you know, this time of year again, you know, a lot of teams travel. And we've mentioned it, but um, you're seeing teams from two different regions getting going out and playing. So you get Montana Western uh, playing against Arizona Christian. And, and this is all going to happen at Chandler. Uh, I believe it's playing Chandler Junior College and uh, Rocky Mountain actually hosts the entire thing, which is kind of funny because, you know, Rocky Mountain. Uh, Helping Montana go down and, and host a tournament in Arizona, but uh, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good team uh, playing. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Rocky, and, and I know that they're going to play uh, Ottawa, Arizona, um, and then uh, several other teams that are going to be playing out there too. So, uh, Cactus Classic, we'll have a, a little bit of an article coming out on it uh, here, uh, probably uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, you know, I, I'm going to get out uh, an article tomorrow. Uh, you know shocker i'm sure that a lot of people uh, go ahead and announce that our our game of the week is going to be that that uh, grace arizona christian game so uh we'll get that article out uh, uh sometime tomorrow and then uh uh wednesday or sorry in the midweek uh tuesday or wednesday we'll, we'll get some stuff out on the cactus classic uh just a good good fun tournament to watch between uh two te- or two uh well several leagues that but uh, uh teams from the west coast that uh, uh don't normally play each other except for this cla- cactus classic yeah, and we said around Thanksgiving, too, just a great opportunity for the kids, right? Especially now, right after finals, right after the grind of the first semester, to be able to get away um, and spend just some, some good quality time with their teammates. Those are the things that, that you come to play college hoops for, right? Obviously, to compete, but to be a part of experiences like this one. And I'll transition to a game later in the week. Uh, two teams we just I just touched on in the Stock Risers report. And St. Xavier, who faces a real, real test right now against Huntington. So Huntington obviously coming off a big win against Mary and St. Xavier playing really, really well at this point in the season. They, they'll do battle later in the week, but going to be, you know, probably a high-scoring affair there. We'll see if, if the firepower of St. Xavier can hold up against Huntington, who has been playing really well all season long. Yeah, I like that game a lot, too. And, and uh, uh, you know, two two Midwest teams, you know, from different leagues. We just talked about two West Coast uh, different leagues playing each other. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun watching that one. Um, we do have some, some conference games this week, too, which is kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say, I mean, you know, when you have, have leagues that uh, play so many conference games, you got to fit them in somehow. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, so I know that on Friday uh, and Saturday, both we're going to see a, a lot of the Cascade games. Um, but But another game on Saturday, uh, that I figure will probably be a top 25 game uh, is going to be uh, when William Penn goes and face off. Uh, they travel down to Mid-American Nazarene. And 
Um, you know, I know that those games have been some big time games over the last few years. Uh, um, and I, I think that that's going to be a, uh, another good one. Um, I, I believe I can't remember, but I think that those games have been pretty close the last couple of years. Um, and, and then, you know, circling back, you know, we talk about conference games, but circling back to Thursday, um, you, you know, Thomas Moore is coming off a, a tough road game against Shawnee uh, State uh, and in which they lost. And now they're going to turn around and uh, have to travel to Freed Hardeman on Thursday. And, and we talked about Freed a little bit in this episode, too. Um, Freed's as hot as anybody in the country winning nine straight right now. And, um, you know, I'm going to sit here and tell you that Thomas Moore uh, is going to lose two in a row. But, um, you know, a, a game that Freed can can certainly uh, uh, boost their resume on, too. But uh, Thomas Moore uh, coming off a loss, um, you know, do I, I, you know, it's kind of like what we mentioned against I or against Indiana Wesley and, uh, yeah. you know, coming off a loss, these teams tend to tend to come back pretty strong. And, uh, uh, Thomas Moore may be a little bit angry coming into this game. So or a little bit fired up coming into this game. So, uh, yeah. game on May God have mercy on Freed Hardman. But Hey, like you said, they've been playing just as well as anybody in the country. Right. Yeah. And obviously that Thomas Moore team is going to be, they're going to come in, they're going to be fired up. They're going to give Freed Hardman their best shot. But yeah, well, that's, that, that is an intriguing matchup where we've, we've talked in the past about how teams respond from losses. Right. Does Thomas Moore just kind of say, you know, compound things and, and turn one into two or or do they get back right? It's, yeah, that is a, an interesting game. Certainly one to keep an eye on. Yeah. And and, and outside of this weekend, you know, I mean, uh, against Johnny, I, you know, I mean, that's played as good as anybody in the country and Thomas Moore. And, and uh, you know, we, we kept him at number two in our rankings that, you know, you basically, in our opinion, can you know, one Arizona Christian and, and two Thomas Moore could be flip-flopped in any direction. They're basically one and one A at, at this time being, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the Mid-South in, in road conference games are never easy. And this free team is, is playing really good basketball. So I did want to at least draw attention to that game. Cause I do think it's gonna be a fun game for, to, to uh, before we start getting into the weekend games, they're going to be a lot of fun as well. And with that, uh, Pat, I think, uh, um, you know, we, we will have one more uh, show or uh, episode before uh, the holidays, but uh, we're actually going to extend that one out to the 21st. So if you're looking for us next Monday, uh, we won't be around. It won't be the Lost Files of uh, <laughs> the Road to the Muni podcast. We're actually just going to extend it out to Wednesday so we can cover uh, all those great games on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as well. Um, you know, we're about a 10-day period here. We're going to have uh, some some really great basketball. Uh, so so don't go on to to uh, off to a holiday break just quite yet. Uh, you know, make sure you're following NEI basketball. We'll have plenty on the website at neihoopsreport.com. Um, I'll also obviously uh, be covering everything on our uh, social media pages, uh, mostly on Twitter uh, that you can find us. Uh, that's at NEI Hoops Report. Uh, until uh, next week, uh, this is Junior and Pat signing off.